0: Welcome, this is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's Dave Tuttle and the Astros' master of banter, Blummer.
1: Oh boy, are the bleachers Uh. open today. Need a little sippy sip. Woo! You were up late
0: last night. What's up with
1: that? I was up late last night. You know, yesterday, Bleacher Blum's uh, podcast coming at you. I am Jeff Blum, my co-host, David Tuttle, out there on the left coast, so he's up even earlier than I am. But, uh, yeah, it's been an interesting week, to say the least. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to bring much to this podcast, but I'm going to say a lot of words, and I'm going to put this directly on the back of Tuttle, so hopefully he's been doing his CrossFit exercises, and he's big and strong right now to be able to carry this thing. Uh, he's fired up. I just woke up, and uh, it was a late night. You know, this week has been interesting just in the sense that we've been doing some, uh, uh, you know, uh, Astros baseball on the road is always interesting on the West Coast because we start games at 8.30, 9 o'clock. And then uh, I didn't have the day off yesterday because I got to do a YouTube uh, uh, ball game. With, I thought it was going to be a national game, and I guess YouTube is a global uh, platform. <laughs> So uh, rumor has it that there were close to uh, two and a half million people watching that thing last night, which is kind of interesting to think about. Uh, we'll talk I a little bit about it. that. And that's what I want to talk about too, because the YouTube thing is interesting and just in the sense on my side as the broadcaster, it wasn't just a it wasn't just another broadcast, but it was a broadcast. So yeah. there's different elements on on my side as opposed to what Tuttle was seeing and how Tuttle watched the game. So I'm kind of interested to see what was going on because, on the broadcast side, you kind of get an idea of what's going on, but you don't see the actual product being put out there. So we'll talk about that a little bit. I know that Tuttle's got something on Tom Brady, which I find actually pretty interesting, even though I have not read up on it. Now that I'm my, my interest is peaked, I will probably look into that, but I will get my information from my good boy Tuttle here. Tuttle, what is going on with you? You've, you're busy and you're like
0: you're getting it done in life, man. Well, just today and uh, I, you know, but I will, let's, let's, let's go back a step because I think uh, what's important to me today is getting the podcast in. And I really appreciate you getting up early. It is not as early for you, but you stayed up much later. I've been to the gym. I got to the gym at five 30. I'm getting, oh, looks, it's not, po- guy. it's not, it's not political folks, but I'm getting vaccinated. Uh, I'm going to travel po- possibly internationally Good. this year. And there's some other things that Good I need to you. do. So yeah.
1: And maybe that. come to
0: Houston. So if I'm not talk, sure. I'm that's not something sure we're to gonna talk do about that. though. Well, yeah. that, well, I think that's,
1: that's something to talk about too. I'm glad for you. That's great.
0: Yeah. So I got my real ID during COVID, which was great too, because DMV can't uh, accommodate appointments right now. So I did a couple of days at the DMV, one in San Clemente, and I, I did I missed out. They give you tickets to come back for later. And I missed out. I was like five away from getting a ticket. So then I went to Laguna Hills like three weeks later and stood in line. So anyway, that's a whole nother side. But what I was going to say about getting up early, I mean, you definitely got less sleep than I did. And um, and I think what you're saying is probably what similar to what happened when you were a player. You know, you knew what your job was, your routine. It's like working the swing shift. You know, you show up at the yard one to two o'clock in the afternoon and you're working there till midnight you know maybe some bp a little crossword a little lunch a little you know conditioning all these things maybe a, a scouting report but you're there uh you mentioned you're prepping with Brett Dolan doing some behind the scenes stuff but as a as an observer as a listener i took my daughter's soccer practice turned on youtube at about 4:45 and they were in the mlb studios and they had this pre-production and they had a guy named Matt Antonellion who got a couple years of service time uh, up and down um, And he runs like a YouTube video channel that does in-game analysis. So he was doing a chat room where he was talking about what pitch is going to be thrown. And, um, you know, and then you had Gubaza out here on the left coast, you had yourself in Houston and you had Matt Viscursion, who knows where probably in New York city. I have no idea. Um, But, but I think, I think it's similar to being a player and you can you can expand on this. I will say the broadcast was perfectly enjoyable, mainly because the chemistry with the three of you guys, and I'm sure you guys have all met before, but man, when you're just like, hey, Gooby, what about this? And he's like, plumber. And then you actually had some insight on the Angels and then how the Astros, obviously you're doing your homework on the Astros. And then he had a couple of good stories about the Astros. But um, And then the in-game interviews I didn't love, but when uh, Oda, Oda Rizzi came on, Oda was interesting because um, he had played with all these guys. And, and I think Gooby asked him the question about his, uh, his uh, change up, his split changeup, And he's like, yeah. Oh, uh, Cobb taught me that changeup when we played together. I mean, that stuff is invaluable. Oh, that was your question. I'm so sorry. I got to give my podcast buddy credit magic question. Maybe you te- maybe they teed it up for, and you knew they played together, but I will say this. Yeah, maybe. Ooh. But I, I would, it was just that stuff is fascinating for the listener. And the last thing I'll say here before I leave it back to you is I think the other key to that is, is you have that insight. And this is what we're talking about for national global broadcast that you guys can bring to the playoffs, which is the whole idea every year when it's like, you get this insight, you get this great stuff. And then they're like, all right, Bob Costas and John Smoltz in the, you know, in the booth or in are like or, you know, uh, uh, Buck, Joe Buck and Bob and, uh, and John Smoltz in the booth. And they have none of this insight. Um, it's not that they're not good. It's not that they don't have good rapport. They can't provide that kind of insight. And I thought that's what stood out to me in the broadcast, um, What Say You?
1: Um, I'm actually glad that you bring that up because that's what excited me most about doing this YouTube game is the fact that it was an opportunity, like you, like Tuttle just said, to kind of, bring both sides together on one, one game and have both insights because, you know, the color analyst for each regional sports network does a very good job of scouting both teams. And when you play inside the American League West, like we do against the Angels quite a bit, I have familiarity with how the Astros have played against the Angels, how the Angels have played against the Astros, and so does Mark Gubiza. And what a lot of people don't know is that a lot of the information that we, that we use during the broadcast I will go to Mark Gubaza and I will say, "Hey, why is Trout hitting 400 right now? What do you see in his swing? Uh, you know Shohei Otani. Which pitches are he is he struggling with?" And then we'll start to compare notes. It sparks conversation, just like this podcast does. And all of a sudden, we get a ton of information. We get stories, and it really is useful towards our po- towards our broadcast and uh, I've got a great relationship with Mark Gubaza he him and Vic Rojas when they were working together were two of the best guys in the business as far as information and and having fun calling games because literally in Anaheim we're we're calling games maybe three feet away from each other so if a big play happened in the game you know we'd look through the window and go oh my gosh did you see that or you know a, a crazy play and you'd go oh what the heck you know and but you know Goody, I can attest to that. Awesome.
0: You guys are side by side se- separated like <laughs> yeah. I've been up there a few times but what's funny about it is that's like pre-covid but that's the covid thing. It's like sitting at a restaurant yeah. with plastic. You guys are literally right there. Yeah.
1: No, no, that's a great point cuz that's all that's separating us is just that piece of glass in between us. So you could see reactions, you know, if something good happens for the Angels, they're like up in arms and and we're kind of hanging our heads going, "Oh man, the Astros go down by 4." You know, it's so it's kind of funny to watch that dynamic. But, uh, you know, so the relationships there with Gooby, uh, Matt Vaskirgen actually called uh, my games when I was with the San Diego Padres. So I got to know him a little bit through that. So there's a good relationship there. So I'm glad that came off well. But uh, yeah, there were, and, you know, I think what was cool, too, is not is the you know, is the fact that we had two teams represented on one broadcast. But I, I'm a hitter. He's a pitcher. So it was kind of fun. I love hearing his the way he sees pitching because I see pitching a little bit different because I'm thinking of how I'm being attacked. And then he's talking about how he's trying to set up or how he's trying to manipulate the at-bat and get hitters out. So it's a lot of fun in that sense too. I think if we actually had a legitimate TV broadcast, it would be a little bit different maybe a little more insightful because we'd have time and we'd have a better idea of how not to step on each other because that YouTube broadcast was was fascinating in every sense because it was, it was a, it was a global broadcast, but the way they connected, like Tuttle was saying, Matt Veskergen in New Jersey, uh, Gubaza was literally, I think, sitting at home plate at Anaheim stadium. And I'm in, I'm in there at the game, watching the game live and on TV trying to marry, you know, their voices with the game action and, and the delays and the issues with connectivity It was fascinating to me and it was a lot of work, but what was funny to me, which most people don't know, and I I caught on to this about three pitches into the game. It was after David Fletcher struck out and I'm watching the field, you know, I'll watch the monitor every once in a while, but I was watching the field and I saw strike three and I kind of like sat up and I was getting ready to say something and I looked at my monitor and Christian Javier hadn't even begun his delivery yet. So there was about a 10 second delay from live action to what was happening on the monitor. So that was an added element where I had to kind of like, I like there was a a Ledmus Diaz got a double and I was like, and I had to wait and I had to watch on the screen and wait for it to unfold. I'm like, I know what's going to happen. I want to know what's going to happen.
0: So it was really weird. Well, you did a fantastic job with that too. Then the weird thing is I was driving. So I put YouTube on in the car, Bluetooth. So I was just listening. But all of you guys okay. gasped at the same time at the split, right? I Ms. Diaz. I think there was a, a Mary Lou oh Retton gosh, reference yeah. in that point. That was great. i watching to note, it like 10 seconds ahead. I'm like, what the? <laughs> so that is like, I mean, that is a, another degree of difficulty to use another Mary Lou, Lou Retton reference, right? The degree of difficulty <laughs> in this is... a. Uh, but that's, that, that, that part is such good insight behind the scenes because I think relating it to being a player, you don't want to know all that stuff, right? You just want to get up there, see ball, hit ball, right? You've done enough work on film. You know what the pitcher is going to throw. I would say the same with this broadcast. And then to put the burden of this is going around the world to, you know, two and a half million people or the potential to have, you know, four million people listen to it and you know, not everybody's an angel or an ace or Astros fan, but still, I mean, you can't, that, that burden just kind of, you're just like, Oh, the delay, the, this, and you just really have to hone it back into what am I saying? How am I saying it? And, and I think you guys, I listened to most of the broadcast did a fantastic job of, I mean, that degree of difficulty, like I said, that delay must've been challenging, but the, uh, the, um, the rapport and the not stepping on toes must have taken a little bit of practice an inning or two. And there were a couple instances, I think where Matt's, you know, yeah. sorry, Blummer, what do you got? And, you know, but that's, that's normal conversation. And I think it was real. You could hear the chemistry. Um, I will say this too, and maybe this will crack you up. I remember being a player and, you know, just the bull Durham thing always comes up. I mean, they did, they, they didn't teach us how to do interviews, but you have to say things. So having guys on air, like Oda, Oda Rizzy was fantastic. As I mentioned, hearing that like Cobb taught him that pitch and that question that you asked him was great, but then Dylan Bundy was on and it was like, Oh, I mean, you know, he's, he's great. I mean, you could tell, my wife says this to me all the time. And so this would be a a backhanded compliment to Dylan. You know, you're just so even keel, you know, you just kind of keep it Mm -hmm. right here. And I think we learned that as players, if you're going to grind it out and play 162 games or more, you got to kind of have a a low pulse and you got to kind of take things as they come. But asking him questions, it was like, you know, and and you guys had some good questions. This one, everybody was like a softball. But it's like, wow, what about that Shohei Otani? What's it like being a teammate with him? Is it good? You know, it's kind of like, what are they going to say? No, he's an ass. Like, he doesn't speak English. I mean, there's nothing for them to say. They're like, uh, he throws a 100-mile-an-hour fastball and he hits bombs. You know, it's like, yeah, he's a pretty amazing player. But Dylan Bundy's pulse never even raised it. He's like, yep. He's pretty good. And you're like, all right. Uh, so Dylan, um, you know, and, and it just that part, but that's not on you. I mean, that doesn't affect the broadcast in a way, but I think I like some of the interactive um, pieces, but I've heard like Mark Canna on a, on a broadcast with the A's, they had him in, um, you know, Dylan Bundy. I thought Jake was pretty good and maybe cause he wasn't pitching last night. You go with those guys that are a couple days away from having a game, yeah. but, uh, you know, and I'm sure you feel the same way. Just curious, like, what do you think when you're talking to a player and you know that in the back of his mind, he's thinking, who's this Blummer guy? Like, or who's Gooby? Like, Gooby, I just saw him in the dugout and, you know.
1: <laughs> no, it, it is different. And that so just another behind the scenes kind of thing is, you know, the pre-production on these shows, they, they'll they email us and say, hey, we're going to do, you know, these national broadcasts are a little bit different. You have more access for whatever reason, and uh, they said, "Hey, give us a couple of names of guys you on your side that you would want to interview that would be a good good content during the game." Unfortunately, there were a couple of pitching changes, or else we would have had uh, Jake Odorizzi on there a little bit longer. But I knew uh, when I emailed our producer, I said, "Hey, uh, new guy."
0: <laughs> yeah, we Party Tuttle. Right Watch out, everybody!
1: Yeah, you can't you can't hear it, but Tuttle almost went down right there. <laughs> great, great glove saving a beauty, <laughs> but uh, uh, you know I gave him a couple of names. You know Lance McCullers is a guy who will talk. Uh, I'm just trying to get guys, or my idea is to get guys that can talk. Dylan Bundy. It seemed like he was just a little distracted by the game because you know there were some big hits in that inning where you know pitches yeah. were being fouled off. And uh, well, that twelve, I, I yeah, finally,
0: twelve pitch at that. Yeah,
1: but I tried to crack him, you know, because. That 12 pitch at bat, you know, if you, if we're sitting on the bench, me and Tuttle, and I'm, and we're talking about an at bat where a guy had 12 to 13 pitches, I'm, I'm I would look at Tuttle and I go, dude, that at bat sucked. I go, there was nothing good coming out of that unless, you know, the guy ends up getting a hit and Tuttle's going to be like, man, I was throwing everything up there and I couldn't get this guy to put the ball in play. So I finally asked Dylan, I go, I go, I think I said something to the effect of this at bat is terrible, don't you think, or something, trying to break him and just get him to smile a little bit. And he actually kind of gave like a, yeah, you know what, this does suck, just put the ball in play kind of thing, you know, so you try and crack those guys a little bit, but truth be told, I knew the Jake Odorizzi story ahead of time. Yeah. But it's it's nice to be able to bring these things up, you know, and they're kind of an evergreen story, but it just married up perfectly to have Alex Cobb on the mound, Jake Odorizzi in the other dugout, they have experience in Tampa, and he actually learned his split change from the guy on the mound. So it's it's yeah. it was a great story to tell the dynamic between, you know, teammates and learning from teammates. And
0: I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. But Jake's a good interview. He is. And I think to your point, this is the stuff that it's not, oh, yeah, blummer, it was teed up. I mean, like we talk about reality TV, like, oh, it's reality TV. And they say, you know, they put they <laughs> put a lion and a lion and a tiger in the same room and go, hmm, I wonder what's going to happen. Right. Like, <laughs> you know, where they put chum in the water and they're like, oh, the sharks are swimming around. It's like, oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, you you know the story, but I think that's the kind of color that comes out from being around the clubhouse or knowing that those guys were teammates for a long time in Tampa Bay, or, you know, tell us a story about, you know, you know, X, Y, Z. And I think it, it doesn't diminish the story at all loaded question or not, or be known. They always say, ask a question when you know the answer, right. Cause then, you know, it might make for more, um, uh, you know, more valuable insight. And I think that's Mm -hmm. the part that I took away. uh, Aside from the chemistry, I knew that, Escursion was down in San Diego for many years. And, you know, I don't know how well, you know, Gubaza but like you said, you guys sit next to each other and you know, you're in a fraternity now. So every time you come out to the West coast, yeah. and you know, Hey, where'd you guys golf, whatever it is, you can build a relationship with these guys. And, uh, and I think it showed and to know that that was a global broadcast and, you know, it went all over the world. It was, uh, you know, like I said, hopefully you just, you focus on your job and then where they send it is a whole <laughs> different deal because you can get overwhelmed by, uh, I'm assuming like how many viewers are there and, Oh, I, did I say, um, too much or whatever it is? Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's I, I, and that, I try that, and do that and... with the podcast.
1: <laughs> no, it's a truth. And we talk about it all the time. You go back to the first 10 episodes and there's yeah. going to be ums and uh Hey, Oh, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of those mixed in there. And, uh, you know, it's kind of funny that you say it cause you start the broadcast and immediately, you know, they pop up a graphic and Matt Veskirjan's introducing us and he's like global audience. And I kind of went, Oh, damn yeah. all right yeah. <laughs> and you kind of yeah. get taken back by that because i take it for granted because every day i'm just talking to you know a couple hundred thousand houstonians where we have that okay. relationship and then you're thinking on a, on a grander scale but uh it went really well and i think it had a lot to do with the guys that i was with but the interesting thing was there was a lot a lot of other things going on you know what was it like for you to watch a game on youtube because that's kind of a foreign element usually live tv is satellite or cable And it's a very traditional setup, but you said you watched on YouTube. You talked about Antonelli having like chat rooms and that, to be honest, scared the living daylights out of me because of the astro angle and everybody, you know, still hanging on to 2017. And so I completely avoided that entire situation.
0: So I... I am that kind of person. So I think when it started, the chat room, if you do live YouTube, I mean, I think they start the default is that you can see all the comments going by and then same on the side, the chat room, you can enter rooms. I just, I mute all that. I turn that off because that ruins the broadcast for me. Like,
1: you know, there's people,
0: yeah, too much going on. But I think, you know, that's the younger generation. I mean, I see what my kids have going on. Yeah, but I still like the traditional piece of having, you know, the broadcast. And I, I, I kind of muted all that noise. The Matt Antonelli thing, I think, is an insightful piece in that that's what we try to do on this podcast when we talk about, hey, what's going on? What are they thinking? And you mentioned already with you and Gubaza talking about, um, you know, from a pitcher's angle, like, hey, this is how I'm to attack this hitter. This is what I'm thinking here. I'm trying to take the ball the other way or, you know, make sure I stay inside the ball. Um, you guys both did that really well. Um, especially I, I remember the Gurriel at that and I mean boy he's he certainly changed his approach but you talked about bringing the knob yeah. in and trying to go you know just keeping that knob inside the ball as long as he can and he really pulls his hands in but I thought the other stat and Gubazov brought it up which that's what I mean he's an astro guy he's a Gubiza, uh, Gurriel walked 12 times last year in the COVID shortened mm-hmm. season he's already walked 15 times like little stuff like that as an x-ball player really insightful but you brought up the how Gurriel's approaches change and what makes him such a good hitter. Gubaza actually talked about the statistics, knowing from an opposing hitter or an opposing pitcher, like, man, this guy's a tough out and this is what I have to do. So again, that chemistry was really strong. The broadcast I thought was good. I tend to mute the noise, but I thought for the younger generation, I mean, this Matt Antonelli's kind of built a business of, doing Mm -hmm. online videos and how, what's it like to be a pro and what it takes, what's the work ethic? What, you know, what do you think as a hitter, you know, even for younger kids. And it went to your question that you guys were asking everybody on the interview, like what's the last, you know, how to video you watched. (laughs) And I thought it was really interesting because if you're a 10 year old kid and you want to learn how to hit major league pitching, or you want to know how to swing a wood bat or, you know, what you're thinking in a two, one count versus an O two count, Matt Antonelli has these videos that are out there. And so the world is, uh, the world is changing around us rapidly, Blummer. And, uh, and I just uh, – I did like the broadcast, but I, I really, as an ex-ball player, just liked the continuity and the, the flow and the insight from both, both teams.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you did. You know what was crazy about that, too, that I don't know – I'll try and put a picture out, but when I was in the booth – Normally I'm sitting there, I've got a stage manager, I've got TK, I've got a stats That's guy, right. I've got an audio guy behind me, there's a camera guy off in the corner. I mean, it's it sounds terrible in this era of COVID, but I mean, it's pretty chaotic inside that booth as yeah. we're calling these games. <laughs> I was the only one in there. It was me yeah. and our A2, the audio guy is sitting behind the banner behind me. And that was it,
0: It yeah. was it was
1: awful. I am so, you know, I'm so used to the communal aspect and having TK next to me and yeah. we go to inning breaks, you know, I'm, I'm calling the game and then we go to an inning break and I just go.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> There's Crickets. nobody in there and I'm just. <laughs> Crickets.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so that's the that uh, crazy part about it. That is weird. And I think we've talked about on the podcast, like this is a conversation with two guys, you know, uh, 1500 miles apart, but you know, you got to talk to them and understand them and there's that vibe. And I think that's probably been the most challenging thing of the baseball season from a broadcast perspective with COVID, but I'd like to jump into uh, just baseball in general. Uh, There were some stats that you guys pulled out that I hadn't thought of. Um, You mentioned how terrible the Colorado road trip was and, you know, some of the COVID things, but uh, how are the astros doing what do you think the that now that we've got whatever 15 16 games under our belt christian javier man i mean he punched out the first eight dudes last night and it was like whoo but um but you also said jordan 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 had 106 rbis in a, in his first 100 games don. there's yeah jordan
1: right. jordan
0: <laughs> that's right. but uh but yeah so what what's on tap for the astros and uh you know no uh no St. Arnold plug there, just what's on tap for the Astros moving forward. And that Bregman looked good last night. Um, You know, the Christian Javier who's been on the alternate site. That was another thing you guys did. The alternate site was great. Vescursions, like, it sounds like area 51. It's like, what are they doing at that alternate site? Like, I don't know, but you, there was just a lot of good stuff in there. But um, what do you, what, what, you know, what do you think about where the Astros are headed last time? I said spring training didn't matter. They started out against the A's. They were five and one. They looked like world beaters then against Colorado and the A's and they just plummeted. And then so where I mean, this is why we play 162 of these games. But what what are we what are we looking at in the Astros clubhouse?
1: No, isn't that the truth? Uh, you know, I think that, that there's a little bit of comfort in knowing that they're going to play 162 games, especially for the individual player. You're going to have some blow-ups, but you know that you're going to have multiple opportunities coming up instead of a shortened 60-game season. So I think there's a little bit of comfort there. The Astros, for the first you know week, like Tuttle said, I was like, dude, these guys are going to win the every game this season. They're going to the World Series. They're going to shock the world again and piss everybody off. And, I'm, and all of a sudden, we ran into a buzzsaw in the, in the Detroit Tigers of all teams and A.J. Hinch had his, you know, return to glory right there at Minute Maid Park. And I went, oh, boy, the wheels literally just came off and we were, were reeling. And uh, Colorado was a mess. I don't know if we've played in some funky cities throughout the course of our careers. I've never played in snow. I've had snow outs, but I've never had to play in it. Have you? Uh,
0: never played baseball in snow. Like you said, that was like an offseason thing. Um, you know, this is a weird story because it ties to Colorado. And we've talked about Javier Lopez when he got rule five from the Diamondbacks, um, he went to Colorado, the left-handed pitcher, Javier Lopez, oh, wow, that played yeah. for the Giants. And um, I was working with a guy that represented him. And we went out to Colorado. And Colorado had the first series of the year. And this was his first big league game. So we went out to Colorado. And it was snowing in the stands. But when game started, it was like 40, maybe 38 degrees. I was sitting with his dad and no snow. So I've actually been in that situation, but oh, wow. he worked out that off season in Tennessee. This is a whole weird random story. And it was snowing the whole time. I was there like watching him work out and we, I was still doing some stuff, but we basically went indoors at the university of Tennessee in Knoxville. And we just kicked field goals. They had a little turf field. So we played long toss. That's awesome. They have like a 50 yard indoor dome and we were just kicking field goals. Like, Hey, 35 <laughs> yards from the left hash. Like let's put it on a tee and go. So even even Javier, who played in Colorado first series of the year, was like, eh, let's not throw the ball around in the snow. Let's go inside on the turf field. So anyway, so no, I haven't, and you guys referenced Dusty Baker 60 years in baseball never having done that. So is that not crazy? I mean, yeah, I I think it's not a common thing if he hasn't done it.
1: Yeah, that kind of it actually kind of blew us all away. Somebody asked a question in uh, in our pregame uh, meeting, and all three or four of us were just like Are you serious? You've played in the game for 60 years. I mean, uh, this guy's been, you know, several decades of baseball and never played in the snow. So I thought that was fascinating. Um, But, you know, the the Astros struggled. The offense was brutal. I think in the the 10 games before that YouTube game, they were hitting 163 with runners in scoring position, not hitting a lot of home runs. So their production is based on on base percentage and driving the ball out of the ballpark, and they weren't doing either of those. That's why last night was even more fascinating to me because I think they had twelve or thirteen hits, and eight of them were singles. You know, there wasn't a lot of exit velocity, which you know everybody loves, and they just started to drive guys in. But they got the hits with runners in scoring position. They need to do more of that. Um, yeah. I think they're trying to get their rhythm back because of that COVID protocol injured list situation with four of their yeah. studs on on the IL. Uh, impacted them, and Altuve still waiting to come back because he's he, he you know he's in a different level of protocol, I guess, or whatever it is. So once they get him back, it'll be a little bit better because then you get your leadoff guy back. Just to give you an interesting stat that I saw last night, Altuve had the leadoff spot in 2021, and I'm literally pulling this right out of my head is 318, I believe. Everybody else that's tried to hit leadoff since he's been gone, 083. So that's kind of why Carlos Correa was in the leadoff spot for the first time in his career last night. And he did a hell of a job.
0: Well, he did. And you guys did a good job of talking. I mean, this is again, maybe as an ex player, it's like, all right, I can really dig into some of this stuff. But I thought um, you talked about Miles Straw struggling and Dusty Baker, giving him some confidence and having a one-on-one talk. And then there he goes, boom, he smokes one down the line and (laughs) you were talking about him going the other way. And all of a sudden he's out of it. You know, I mean, it's only one hit one game, but That, you know, uh, Goobaza, that was the other thing he brought up. I mean, it was almost like he was the Astros broadcaster. And I think he was thinking like a pitcher. He's like, this inning would not have happened without Miles Straw's speed. And I thought that was a really insightful piece from a guy who's like trying to pitch against speed. Like I hated facing guys like that. So because he hits the ball the other way, they were shaded this way, hits the ball in the corner. Now that's three bases oh, instead of two. Then, um, you know, then he's got poo-holes at first base on that hopper. And it's like, oh, what do we do? Straw's going to score. I mean, that was just really... You know that's something you would expect from an Astros broadcaster, and Gubazad jumped in and was complimentary, and also just focused on and <clears throat> that that again, see, just these little nuggets that came out. Back to the Astros thing, what you said um, with with Dusty Baker trying to like the the lineup and getting the rhythm and all that with Altuve and the statistics. I mean, I think um, <clears throat> I think obviously 318 out of leadoff spot is uh, I- important. The other stat you guys brought up was the COVID protocol. And I want to hear more about that because the twins angel series was canceled. And then the mm-hmm. Astros had to play without their four guys. I know there's some in clubhouse, probably bitterness, but what do you was, was that explained to you? Was there a difference? Like no. what, what was the difference there between those series and those teams? Is it because both teams are missing guys or was it a I certain amount no of guys idea. or.
1: Yeah. I, I honestly don't know. The only thing, and th- and this isn't coming from the league. This is just from internal conversations between myself, uh, you know, people in the organization or people in the business, you know, trying to understand what was going on. Is that the Astros had one positive that contact traced to other guys, so mm-hmm. those guys were put on the injured list, and for whatever reason, Major League Baseball said, "Well, you've got guys at the alternate site. Call them up. Continue to play." I don't know where that you know, where that came from or why that was an issue as opposed to the Minnesota twins, I think had four guys come up positive. So their contact tracing was a little more spread out around a positive test. So they shut the whole thing down to, to kind of suppress possibly more of an outbreak. That's my only theory. And I don't know, nothing has proven that right. Nothing has proven it wrong. So it's just kind of, you know, Back to your Area 51 conspiracy theories. Yeah. That was my conspiracy theory, and it and it seemed right. most logical at the time. But yeah, there was a little bit. James Click, the general manager of the Astros, did an interview earlier in the week where he kind of stated, "He goes, I'm calling Emma, I'm calling Major League Baseball every day. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why they got to play, why we had to play, why they did. You know." So he was kind of looking for answers too. But uh, interesting to say the least, because it did affect. I think it affected. Uh, Gubiza talked about this too with Alex Cobb you know it'd been 10 days I think since this guy has thrown so I think it does have an yeah. impact whether you're playing through it or whether you get the time off I mean it, it's just it's a hiccup in a season that is based on rhythm uh yep. baseball.
0: that is the best way to say it a hiccup ba- in a season based on rhythm I think that's a that's a key uh a key way to say it you know jake odarizzi was talking about it on his interview and you were talking about how insightful mm-hmm. he was but i thought it was cool because he was saying last year i guess he was either injured or hadn't signed or i don't know his whole history but basically he had a short season last year then he signed late with the astros this year yeah. i mean he's really trying to find himself and I, this kind of goes back to one of the podcasts maybe 50 podcasts ago when i said you know if you're trying to make the team every inning is important every game's important if you're a two-year you know multi-million dollar contract guy you're like "Eh, i'm just trying to find my rhythm i'm just gonna work it out here like in the alternate site let me get my arm slot back but i mean you know it's hard to be patient when it it, it requires patience but it's hard to be patient you know it's like come on jake let's go and uh, and i think your your point is well taken with these guys that it's a it's it's the momentum thing. Like, do you want the time mm-hmm. off as the one seed? Yeah. Do you want the bye week? Do you want any of that stuff? Because if you're in a rhythm and you're starting every five days and you're dealing, like you said, Alex Cobb was really sharp his last start. Ten punch outs and, you know, looked really good. And, you know, this game he was off. And he was close. I mean, I think he he, like he was, was. He wasn't a couple off of those like pitches. Much. Like yeah, Guriel exactly. took that pitch. And it's like Woo. that pitch that Guriel takes – is that's the difference in that inning really. I mean, always, right. Yep. It's always, what is it? Game of inches. And I think I remember being a pitcher getting frustrated because you know, that the avalanche started with that, with that little mm-hmm. pitch, like, man, two inches off the plate, good take, you know, and all of a sudden it's a, it's a, you know, crooked, yeah. uh, crooked inning. I can't and, even imagine you know, you're in trouble.
1: The, fr- the frustration in key situations where you actually execute a pitch, but you miss by an inch or two and you don't get the Damn. call. it's got to be incredibly frustrating because I agree with you Alex Cobb looked fine and it was kind of interesting to see him usually that splitter is really good for him but it wasn't working so he went to the knuckle curve and it looked great and he was still able to compete but just a couple of pitches off the edge screwed him but Javier dude I don't know what the heck they were feeding this dude at the alternate site nine strikeouts and struck out the first eight of the ball I mean the first eight outs were strikeouts I think the last guy to do that was Jim Deshays against the Dodgers in like the eighties and Tommy Lasorda pinch hit for the pitcher to stop the string of strikeouts, dude. I mean, what an incredible
0: outing for uh, Javier. Yeah, no, he looked good. And and again, I mean, I think that's again, the optimism, right? What are we going to say about 162 games? I mean, he earned a, another start <laughs> for sure, but he oh, will be, man. I mean, he's not going to be sent back to the alternate site anytime soon. Um, and then we had talked about the, the, um, the last podcast, the continuity with the COVID protocol and what you're saying makes sense in that if there's one positive and it spreads to four guys on the Astros, we have enough guys to fill that alternate site uh yeah. roster. And if we have one guy, two guys, three guys, four guys, and that spreads to 16 people, you know, then that's our whole squad and we're not gonna have enough. And so I, th- I think your theory works, but I mean, and, you know, maybe we're just never going to have a protocol that makes any sense to anybody. And, you know, isn't it fair if we all play by the same rules? Just tell me what the rules of the game are and I can play uh, by those (laughs) rules. Right. And I think that's what you're saying. James Click is looking for. So that's all, you know, I mean, we don't have a lot. My Giants are impressive out here. We keep talking about the uh, the uh, Padres and the Dodgers. And every time I look up, the Giants are winning three nothing and three to one and four to one. It's like, all right. I think the Giants are yeah, quietly were,
1: getting it done while those two while LA and San Diego kind of beat up yeah, on each other,
0: man. It's interesting. That's right. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have to see how the year shakes out. But, you know, I think I end up coming back to this every year and you always think I'm the silver lining guy. I mean, yes, yeah, spring training. Yeah. The Astros look great. Oh, they're terrible in Colorado. Oh, they look like world beaters last night. It's like, all right, calm down. I saw like <laughs> uh, I saw two teams last night that played and I just saw the records on Center, and it might have been. Was it the Indians and the Twins or what anyway? They were seven and seven and nine and nine or something like that. And I was like, all right, yeah. The year has just started. You're seven and seven, you're nine and nine. Like, there's a lot of baseball to play, right? So between fourteen and eighteen games played by everybody, and there's many, many more to come. And we'll we'll have to talk about that more.
1: No, we most definitely will. Yeah. I mean, it's what's the the old I think the old saying is you can't you can't win a championship in April, but you can definitely lose one. But I, I kind of like the idea that everybody's, you know, playing 500 baseball. I think the American League West they're going to beat up on each other. I think the Central is going to be interesting. But, you know, a- April is definitely a time where you the the initial shock, and then you kind of settle into the season, start moving on, yeah. and uh, that's you know that's one of the beautiful things about baseball.
0: And I have a question for you actually because we have some connection to the New York Yankees, just uh, you know, former teammates yeah. and friends. What uh, what what is the Panic meter there. I know the media is tough, but I mean, uh, if you're a baseball guy, similar to what we just said, I know the clubhouse is probably like, ah, we're, you know, we'll turn this thing around. It's great. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, you could just see like the old days, George Steinbrenner would already be talking to the New York post. So (laughs) now his son's a little different, but I mean, what do you, just your expertise, what do you think is, um, What do you, what do you think's really happening there in terms of the panic meter is, I mean, cause I think Aaron and, you know, obviously Phil, those guys are like, don't worry about any of the outside noise and just do this, but yeah,
1: no, yeah. I want I kind of want to pump the brakes on it a little bit just yeah. in this, but, but dude, you have to realize, you know, every market has a different situation and every environment is, is a product of the media itself way more laid back down here in Houston. You know, the Dodgers in LA are going to get more of the attention than the angels. So there's a little bit of a buffer zone there, but there's nothing in New York, man. I mean, it is just full throttle from game one, but the fact that I, I, I it's crazy you brought that up. Cause I was going, you know, scrolling through Twitter or reading an article and it said, is Aaron Boone on the hot seat? And I kind of laughed. I was like, dude, 15 games into a season where he's got this, he can't control injuries. He can't control who's signed and who, you know, what the starting rotation is doing or, you know, things like that. I mean, he can motivate these guys, but I think it's a little harsh this early in the season to put this on Aaron Boone. And and I'm biased because I like the guy and I've been teammates with the guy and we're still friends. But, uh, you know, at some point, you, I know it's easy to point at the manager, but at some point, you've got to put it on the players who are in there trying to get the job done but I'm just shocked early on with the Yankees and how poorly they're playing defensively we know they're a swing and miss team their bullpen is really good it's just a starting rotation you know if Garrett Cole goes out there and pitches pitches for that team and gives up three runs and loses man you know you immediately have to start pointing to the offense
0: yeah and he's been the only one that's actually been pitching well I saw um uh, Mm -hmm. Esteban Aramon was on last night uh so he must be back from the uh, spousal abuse uh, list. Nobody ever oh. talked about that, but he he made it through a rough first inning and they won last mm-hmm. night. i I would agree with you. I mean, again, we talk about even keel. I was mentioning that from the interviews on YouTube last night, but you know, if you were in any other market, you'd be like, hey, you know, like we're gonna figure this thing out. I think the Yankees always have, as you said, that media market is is vultures, but also, you know you also have a lot of high paid dudes in that lineup. so, you know, they start yeah. doing the math and how, you know, how much each strikeout costs and all that stuff, right. <laughs> yeah. When Stan strikes out, it's like, Hey, look, you sign the guys, like let them play, give them at least 50 games, right. Give them a, you know, oh, 25% of the you. season. Yeah. To, like, yeah. So, but yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, those, those are good baseball guys in there. That's why I was asking the question, right. They're yes. good baseball people. They understand it. But sometimes, as you said, that storm gets brewing and, uh, you know, it's great to handle it and block out the noise, but sometimes it's more challenging than others. And, uh, you know, it's just interesting. That's one of the news stories. Yeah. So my, uh, my thing today, and we'll, we'll get this rolling. I got a busy day is uh, I guess what'll Tuttle say is briefly about Tom Brady. Um, You know, yay, hit Google and Tom Brady comes (laughs) up and I get some, I get some clicks or hits on here. So uh, in, in post-production, I'm sure there'll be a picture of a guy wearing number 12, But, uh, but it was interesting. So the (laughs) NFL, it's really more about the NFL, the NFL has voted to um, allow guys to wear random numbers all over the place. So, you know, they always had what the twenties and thirties for running backs and, yeah, I don't know why they're changing it now. I think guys want to be individuals. I actually think, again, dollars, right? Go to the dollars. It True. has to do with marketing. Sales. So that's right. So if you want to wear, you know, number 99 as a quarterback, then you can. You Or, you know, like uh, like Wild Thing coming out of the bullpen. Like, wear number 99 quarterback. <laughs> Johnny Manziel would have wore number 99 if he could have probably oh, or man. something. So, uh, but Tom Brady's insight was I liked it. And I hadn't read the article, but I was trying to think of why somebody would be against the freedom to wear different numbers, right? In the NBA, it didn't matter. I remember, this is funny. Wow, this is going to date me. This is old. In the old days, you had to wear numbers that you could, so when they said the foul was on number number 12, like one, two, and they would do that. And guys couldn't wear like, you know, number seven, because number seven is number 25. They couldn't do it. Like, wait a second, I can't give that number. So anyway, they obviously changed that protocol, but that's how the NBA start, it started. It had to be mm-hmm. kind of based off right. two-hand, 10 digits, right? Am I right? That was so funny. <laughs> Absolutely, Bob Cousy, totally like foul on number 12. <clears throat> and two with the push. Anyway, um, so... So, but, but Brady, like I said, he was upset with the number change mainly because how it's going to affect quarterbacks and affect the offense. And I think, you know, somebody who scrutinizes film the way he does, um, he basically said, you know, he could look up from, you know, the huddle or look up from the, you know, from behind the center and go, oh yeah, there's number 22 on the end. He's going to blitz or number 32. I see him. That's the safety, I know that okay, that's the hot route on this side. So he's basically saying it's going to affect the game uh, all the way through, like his film watching and you know what it's going to be chaotic and the lineman and the quarterback and the offense. And I think most people are saying, "Boo hoo, Tom Brady!" Like mm-hmm. we don't care about that. And and in college, guys can wear random numbers, so I yeah. don't know. Um, I don't know if that's really a valid concern, but I think it's interesting that he kind of came out and said that, and maybe there's other people that feel that way that hadn't said anything. So I think we have two issues, right? Marketing aspect, like we should have the freedom to wear whatever number we want versus like the game has kind of always been this way and it's going to affect offenses in a, I don't know, I guess a negative way. So what what, what are your thoughts about that uh, initially?
1: I think, I think it's kind of interesting. And if you go back a couple of podcasts talking about minor league rules, I think this is kind of how something was set in the college ranks. And now you're starting to see some of these new school guys kind of move into the NFL. And now they, they want to have it the, the numbers the way they were in the college games. So some of these guys that are a lot younger than Tom Brady, or they're like, whatever, put a number on a guy. I don't care. Whereas Tom Brady used it as a, as a tool to read defenses and, yeah. you know, I kind of feel for him a little bit just in the sense that, you know, he, he's accustomed to the way it, it is and was. But one thing that I think kind of sticks out for me is the fact that the, the average fan and maybe even the most acute fan doesn't understand how fast these games are moving. And I can't even imagine being in a, breaking a huddle, going to the line, and trying to recognize a defense as quickly as I possibly can, and then recognizing number and something clicks. And I think that's where you're going to lose, maybe or slow the game down, or maybe speed the game up even more for a guy like Tom Brady, who already slows it down because he's so good and able to read defenses that now he's going to either second guess himself or he's going to have to give a double take. And then all of a sudden, the clock is continuing to tick. There might be a little more panic involved. Uh, And that's where I think, you know, Tom Brady's kind of coming from, because it's going to alter the way he approaches uh, reading some of these defenses when he can't just glance at a number, he's going to have to actually go, okay, this guy's six foot four, uh, 290 pounds. Okay, that is not the (laughs) cornerback. And try and recognize that that's probably what you know, but again, he's been institutionalized. (laughs) That's
0: right that's the word bingo i think institutionalized i mean Jadavian Clowney wore number seven when he played at south carolina and then when he came <laughs> yeah. into the league you know they gave him 99 it's like all right you don't miss that guy he's six five two two ninety five <laughs> you're like all right yeah uh, it doesn't matter what number he wears I, that guy's a it's a huge human so um i like it institutionalized is good and you know i don't i think it's a train that is on the tracks and it's going to keep on running and as tom plays one or two more years like guys will get used to it and But I I do think that's certainly the angle that he's coming from. But I look at it from baseball's perspective, like pitch recognition, right? The guys that are hardest to hit are guys that you can't pick up the ball, like um, whether it's the spin or the rotation or guys that hide the ball better. And that's really what Tom Brady is saying is that, look, he could slow the game down. I got his release point. I got the spin on the ball and he's saying that he might struggle with that or that. Why are they changing that? Because, this is part of my game and my skill set that made me the goat. So I just thought it was an interesting article. It stood out to me, but I think it'll be cool to have guys wearing random numbers. I mean, what, you know, from a fan's perspective, like, what do I care what number they wear?
1: Yeah. But that, but that's the NFL's point is as the fan, you want to go out and get the, the number nine linebacker. You want to go get the number, you know, uh, number 12 wide receiver, you know, I mean, that's where the marketing aspect kind of comes in and don't ever forget that the, the initial reaction to or the initial reason for some of these rules and especially ones
0: that have to do with jerseys, it's cash money, homie. <laughs> hey, look at the three biggest NBA players of all time, and they do not have one number. I mean, you got Kobe with two numbers, Jordan with two numbers, LeBron's had two or three. Every team he yep. moves to, he's like, oh, I'll wear number eight here. I'll wear number three here. I'll wear number 23 here. It's like those dudes know like you said, that that, I mean, people can say what they want about, well, Kobe, he wanted to switch numbers because it was an honor of what it's like dude mm-hmm. those two jerseys are like, just, cha-ching. you know, keep selling them. It's cha-ching. Yeah. It pays for the house mm-hmm. in Newport beach. So anyway, I, uh, I don't know. I just stood out to me. I thought it was interesting. And, you know, I think you brought up the word of the day is institutionalized. Uh, <laughs> hopefully this podcast becomes institutionalized for some or many. Do you have a Blum's Blast even though you are working on uh, six hours of sleep?
1: I do. And it's napping. I am a napper. I don't care what anybody thinks about me. My wife hates it because I will hide in the theater upstairs and because there's no windows, I'll close the doors. The ACs crank down. I've got a blanket up to my chin and I take naps. This schedule I'm on drives me (laughs) nuts, dude. So, what i do is i take naps and i highly encourage it and i'm sure there's somebody listening to this at work or on their way to work or you know trying to to stay awake and 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 get through the day but i take naps i am a big nap guy i'll take a nap from 20 minutes to an hour depending on how much time i have but truth be told i'm a napper i love coffee awesome. like we talked about You know, you and I are. I've become more of a coffee snob since hanging around you a little bit more often. I don't. I. I don't grind my own beans, but uh, I like to to mix it up and uh, have a good cup of coffee. But naps, and I've actually got. How about this? Tell me. Tell me your theory on naps, and I've actually got a recipe for those of you who are struggling to get energy later in the day. I've got. I've got something for
0: you. (laughs) You're not going to trademark the Napa Chino, are you? Let me. Uh, oh, let me you're, see how br- it
1: goes. you! You. Know, spoiler alert!
0: I'm just kidding. Um, so, so here is so two things. One is my wife is a napper. I am not. Once I fall asleep, if I fall asleep watching golf, like four o'clock on the couch or whatever. If I wake up at five o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday, having watched golf, I feel like a hibernating bear. I feel like somebody shot me with a tranquilizer dart. And I like, <laughs> I limp off the couch. Like what happened? I don't know what's going on. Um, my wife gets she like you, 20 you or got 30 minutes. You a dart
1: in your neck.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you have a dart in your neck. My wife pops up and she's like, all right, what are we going to do? And I'm like, and it sounds like that's what you do. Also one of my favorites, and I haven't listened in a while, Jocko, right? His podcast the Jocko podcast, he, you know, he used to take naps in foxholes and like war zones, but it's documented. Like he sleeps like four or five hours a night, but like 20 minutes, he said, it's like proven. I mean, there's like neurological benefits to take 20 minute naps. I just haven't found a way to implement it. So I, I, first of all, blummer, you're healthier. You're going to get a nap in today, hopefully, but you're healthier for it. And you, it's a skill. It's a, it's a learned skill. So I, I need to I don't know. I just don't know where I'm going to find the time to mix in a nap, even yeah. though it'll feel it's, it's the feeling. If I felt great after it, I would do it. I feel like, True. like dude, you have a dart in your neck. I feel like, That's awesome. yeah. So anyway, so what's, what's the, uh, what's the key? I, I, I sort of let a little bit out but that's not really the no.
1: yeah you let the name of it out it's called a Nappuccino oh. and I actually mm-hmm. learned this uh, from a very good friend of ours Sutton Strack who is on believe it or not the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and uh, she had mentioned she travels all over well, when she was traveling all over the world you know she'd have jet lag and I, I was explaining to her you know the tough schedule of a ball player you know and sometimes mm-hmm. it just yeah she goes oh I've got it for you you take a shot of espresso immediately when you get it out of the uh, coffee machine, and then you immediately go to bed. So it, you're tired. Take the shot of espresso, lay down, take yourself a quick 20, 30 minute nap. And by the time you wake up, that espresso has hit the veins and uh. with the nap, you've come up flying out of this thing. And I've done it with a cup of coffee. I've done it with an espresso where I've just kind of gassed and I'll be at a hotel room and, Uh, You know, I'll go to the coffee machine, I'll make the coffee in the room, or here at home, and I'll throw that thing down and I'll just gently rest. And you're right, they start showing some random group on a golf tournament. And I'm like, and I'm out. But I mean, the second I wake up, it's all of a sudden, like, you know, in the movie, The Rock, where the dude sticks the adrenaline shot in his heart. And all of a sudden, he's like, you know, and you come back to life.
0: And that that's how it works. So we call it a nappuccino. There you go. Pulp Fiction. Nappuccino. Yeah. (laughs) did she trademark that she's on it she's at Pulp Fiction did the same thing that uh are you I mean Sutton's on a tv show like why doesn't she trademark that I don't get it like we you gotta I don't know you gotta market it and trademark it I don't know has she done that on the show or is that a secret not yet no not Uh,
1: not yet and truth be told I can't
0: watch that show I don't watch the show either are you kidding me I I gave
1: gave it the curtain. sorry (laughs) Yeah, I gave it the uh the two the two episode courtesy friendship dues, you know, by watching it, but I couldn't do it. It's and it's not because of Sutton, it's the it's the whole yeah. thing. I'm
0: is it Beverly a... Hills one or uh LA yeah. or Real Housewives oh, okay. of Beverly Hills, yeah. yeah. Is that the one? I, mean, I watched the first two episodes, I think before she was on it, but with uh is it John Mellencamp's daughter, right? Like is on the I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. oh man, yeah, I don't know. Some other yeah. people, I don't know. But she was, I'm yeah, she was the her. young one as like a mentor. Yeah. But I've watched, I mean, you know, it's too catty for me. And I think you grow up in a, you're in a, I say grow up, you're a grown man with five women in your house. I like think could be catty enough probably, but like, <laughs> and that, that's nothing against the TV show. Cause we know it's reality TV, it's staged a little bit, but just the, mm-hmm. it's, you know, we talk about being even keel. Like I just couldn't spend enough meals talking about my neighbors, you know, it would just be too oh, difficult for yeah. Like I don't like my neighbors, and, you know, but I don't need to talk about them for three hours. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and and to her credit, she's, she's done a good job with it. She's marketed it. She's got her own shop. So she's done very well, but yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's a tough watch for me for the peripheral issues yeah. that you're talking about. Yes. Well, if
0: it's a business thing and you want to make some revenue, I mean, some of the wealthiest people on the planet right now are the Jenner family. Right. And it's like, I know it's crazy. You know, the Jenners and the, and the, um, what's the other family, right? I can't even think, uh oj's lawyer for the
1: kardashians yeah thank I mean, you it, Karda- they're all yeah.
0: intertwined kardashians generous but i'm saying they know what they're doing i mean so it's not oh, a man. it's not a Advertising,
1: lack of skill
0: yeah but i'm just saying like so it's not a slight like great it pays for your flight across the the world on oh, the dude, there, jet, yeah there's just,
1: there, there's money out there go get it
0: <laughs> yeah i'm with it it's just like you said i just it's not my cup of tea so
1: yep well plumber yeah.
0: I dragged you out. I got a busy day. This is my, uh, the highlight of my week thus far. I'm glad we got to relive, uh, your broadcast from last night. I was really, I really hope, I don't know if that's a major league baseball thing, but I really hope people, um, latched onto that the way, the way I did. And, uh, I think it's something that they could certainly, if YouTube is smart, they can start looking at purchasing the playoff rights, or at least, you know, Major League puts it on Fox, but have a YouTube like kind of um, simulcast or something like that, where that's a you can have idea. the color guys from both. I mean, there's got to be some revenue in it. And if it's global, uh, it's got to be even better. But I, I thought it was fantastic and outstanding. So that's what I got for the week. I ri- really love doing the podcast. And uh, I say that every time. But uh, thanks for your folks out there listening. Um, we, we really appreciate it. And hopefully you're enjoying the content.
1: Yeah, no, it's been a blast and it does energize me a little bit. But uh, after this peak, I'm definitely going to be laying down for a nap. <laughs> but
0: uh, you know, I know exactly. You're going to the theater ASAP.
1: Oh, dude, believe it. Yeah, I'm going to take the, the tilt out of this chair and just lay back and turn the lights off for a little bit. But uh, it's always good being on with you, too, Tuttle. You know, it, it's it's interesting that, you know, with it, throughout a week where I think I'm not paying attention, you pull out some of the ideas and some of the thoughts, thoughtful analysis that we try and bring on this podcast. Uh, so I appreciate that. And we always appreciate at the end of this podcast, giving a little bit of love to uh, all the military, both veteran and current active duty military that's out there, you know, putting their life on the line for us to, to create a safe environment for us to come out here and talk about sports and enjoy sports. Uh, and also to all the frontline workers all of the uh, first responders that go out there running into you know harm's way I know that it is not the easiest job out there but uh, we continue to pray for you and continue to, to be grateful for what you're able to go out there and do and of course during these times you know Tuttle talked about getting vaccinated I'm going to get my vaccination here at the end of the month so all the essential workers out there and people who are out there just grinding away trying to you know give us the opportunity to be be us again that we are eternally okay. grateful for you so total it's on you man
0: all right well uh i was gonna say what did uh, bob barker say uh spay and neuter your pets like uh, get after it <laughs> believe it and get vaccinated today you know uh, obviously not a political statement but i'm getting vaccinated so all right listeners get after it believe it and have a wonderful week